the Imperfectly Perfect campaign, sharing real-life stories from real people to unite them in global change for the face of mental health and reduce the stigma, creating communication, healing, and awareness to save lives and inspire. Join us weekly as we talk to some of the highly acclaimed faces, influencers, experts, and those who have been through extreme adversity. All right, guys. So welcome to another episode, episode nine of the Imperfectly Perfect Campaign podcast. And today I've got a really special episode with a good friend of mine that I've known since 2006. And it's an episode that I've been wanting to touch upon for a long time. And it entails talking about body and self-image and body dysmorphia, something that I've been very open about with myself that I went through a couple of years ago. Now, like I normally do, I talk about the person who's coming on board. Um, so let me get into a little bit more detail about about this person. So he was originally born in Perth. He's an actor, entrepreneur, and mental health advocate currently living here in Sydney. Having studied drama, music, theater, and classical music in WA, he's performed on TV, stage, and short film. Previously in the modeling industry for 15 years, he's recently quit modeling due to the mental health impact it was having on him. Mostly, this was due to almost 20 years of dealing with varying levels of BDD, body dysmorphia. He's currently working on a trivia website, personal mental health blog, and various acting work. So guys, without further ado, I want to welcome a good friend of mine, John Von Tolkan. Hi. Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. That sounded so insincere to say I've known you since that I long. I know it did, but it's true. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Hey, I'm just getting used to this podcast thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but funny thing is, um, we met in 2006 um, and he was best friends with my now wife. Yeah, that's right. We, yeah. were, we were working together at a gym. Yes, Living Well. So I basically, I was working in Living Well in the UK, decided to make a move to New Zealand Hopped over to Australia when my visa ran out and started working in the Living Well Health Club under the Hilton Hotel. Yeah. There I met yourself. I met... It was a, it was a tight group, wasn't it? It was, was a good group. Oh, it was really tight. We were yeah. such a good group of friends. Yeah. It was and quite I mean, amazing, actually. We got on with the management. Yeah. Was, Everyone. That, I think that was kind of the epitome of what you want from a work situation. Yeah. Because really? not only did it, 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 it stem from a work environment, it stemmed to going out on nights out, mm-hmm. lunches, dinners, and we all got on. Yeah. And the funny thing was, is you were the initiator between me and Kat. That's true. So, yeah, even funnier I story, I can remember telling John I liked her. Yeah. And he went to tell her. So it was like oh, 2006, I think it was about 23. So I should have known better. I wasn't a kid. <laughs> but I felt like a school kid. No, but when you're in love or when you have feelings like yeah. that, it's always a bit awkward. You always feel a bit weird. But so. we put you in the middle. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> no, I was happy. Um, so yeah, John initiated um, the whole whole relationship. So I, I am suppose. the reason you were married. It is. It is. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. 2006, that's so long ago. It's ages ago. And you was the best man. Yeah. Yeah, at the wedding. I was. That was a funny day. That was a funny day. (laughs) It was nice though. It was so beautiful. It was. It was. Really, really lovely. And then you disappeared. I I did for a long time. And it was funny because it was like, Kat had lost a best friend and everyone within that circle of friends were all trying to find you. Yeah. We just didn't know where you were. Yeah. Well, back then, my name was also different. Like, I'm John Montalkin yes. now, but yep. I changed my name in the period I had gone. I, yeah, I left the country. I didn't tell anyone really. Yeah. I just kind of went off the beaten track and worked on myself, did some 
soul searching for a number and number of years. Yeah. Yeah. And little, little did you know that there was, there was Alana, there was Kat, there was myself, everybody just going, where has he gone? Yeah. What has he like, done? We just did not know where you had gone. Yeah. I had no idea. And look, thinking back, it was, I look at it and I go, God, that was so selfish of me mm. because I really did and still do care for all of you guys and, and really love all of you guys. But I look back and I go, I was in such a dark place. There was mm. nothing else mentally I could do. I had to, I don't know. I just, I felt like I didn't consciously go, I am going to leave and leave these people behind. Yeah. I was like, this is what I have to do. And I just had no energy and no uh, way within myself to make contact and, and connect again with people. Yeah. So, I mean, take us back to that time then. So, mm-hmm. We, we had the wedding and we was all hanging around together. Yeah. Everything was all happy. Little did we know that I, you was going through things emotionally and struggling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I, I had been struggling for uh, since I was 18. So I was in 2006, 7, I was 23, 24. Mm. Oh, we're the same age. I didn't realize yeah. that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but I had been struggling for a long time. Yeah. Um, it, it had some of it had to do with, uh, actually, a lot of it had to do with my sexuality and my parents being very, very, very religious. And there was a lot to do there, but a lot of it had to also do with my, um, with my body and my body image and, and how I felt about myself Mm. in regards to that as well, which was, yeah. Which probably the wrong term to use when we're talking about mental health, but thinking about it, like when, when we used to see you and we saw you modeling shots, yeah. Like in hindsight, can you look back at those and think, what was you thinking? Do, do you oh. look back now? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I'll I'll put it into context, guys. So, although that John seemingly went missing <laughs> for around ten years, I think it was was it late last year that we we finally found you. Um, oh, well, the year before because we're in two thousand twenty now. So oh yeah, yes, yes, the year before. Yes, but so yes, so we was... found you and um, we organised. Yeah dinner so you came over yeah. and and bear in mind in all this time we've had two kids and i know like and 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 yeah like i say john john put this relationship together yeah <laughs> so exactly. to see the fruition and two kids but um yeah we caught up and we were having dinner and we was asking the questions that i've just been asking now and, and predominantly the body dysmorphia came up and yeah and i opened up to you and said my god i'd been struggling with the exact same thing around six years ago yeah and had we have known at the time, and yeah. this is why this this episode's so special to me because I've always wanted to bring this forward with two guys talking, whether yeah. it's similar or whether there's dissimilarities, and yeah, find yeah. out what you went through and what I went through, and because I always say with body dysmorphia, when people ask me about it, it's so individualized, like you can't you can't tell people symptoms because people's can be so different. Whereas mine was. God, now I look back and, I, and I've said so openly, it went from hiding the fact I was checking my perceived flaws, which were my chest and my arms, right. for like maybe five minutes, 10 minutes to an hour. Yeah. And then when it got to its, its peak, it was up to three and four hours in the mirror. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And like, then I couldn't hide it. No. Well, this is it. My first relationship was started in 2004. And even then, before it really, the BDD had hit its height, my partner said to me, I think you have body dysmorphia. And had you heard of that before? Because I never had. I had never heard of it. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he he explained it to me. I was like, no, I just like taking care of myself and I want to be as strong as I can be and ma, 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 ma. And I was like, dismissed it completely. 
And then my second relationship, who, Savannah, who you knew, yep. um, he said to me, I think you have body dysmorphia. And I was like, you're the second. I've only yep. had two relationships and both have said this. This is weird. And they weren't even really seeing the literally 50, 60 times a day that I'd be checking myself out in the mirror. I would, because yours, see, my, yep. upper, my two was upper body, but also, I, I mean, I don't want to say be stereotypical or anything, but mm-hmm. because I'm gay, I also was constantly checking out my glutes because that, right? Because I felt like that was an attractive part yep. that men would look towards. So I'd get put down the toilet seat, stand on the toilet because <laughs> it's not high and the mirror yep. wasn't high enough, and check that out. Then I'd get down, and then literally like ten seconds later, I'd be like, "No, I need to get back up and have another look." Because sometimes wow. I'd look and I'd be like oh, it's not good enough. But sometimes I'd look and I'd go, oh, yeah, okay, that's okay. And it'd be like a little shot of adrenaline, like, oh, yeah. yes, I am. Yes, this is good. I, I look good. Yeah. I'm worth something. This is great. And then it would be, yeah. Get and me, I, get I, I can laugh now in hindsight, yeah, and you probably can, because yeah. you can realize that you can go, oh, it's all in the mind, and it yeah. shows you how powerful it is. But I laugh because those traits are similar to what I did right. with my chest. And I always attest it to, I saw this video once on YouTube and it was like this guy and it was talking about body dysmorphia. And I always say I self-diagnosed it because when we was living in Thailand, uh-huh. I went to see a general practitioner and took my top off and I was like, look, look, look. And he was like, what? Yeah. And I'm like, look, my chest, it's just not growing. And I've tried this and I've tried this. And and, and he was like, there's nothing wrong with you. You've, you've actually got a good body. Because I trained and I got abs and I got Absolutely. You know, and, and I was like, but look, to the point where I was probably pissing him off. <laughs> no, absolutely. But he he just didn't get it. And from that point, I went on Dr. Google, and I've said it so many times, yeah. and, and, and saw the traits. And I'm like, my God, body dysmorphia is actually a killer. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like Because it gets so ingrained and you're going... Why can no one see it except me? And my little traits were, from this YouTube video, I said it, it was very similar. The only difference was this guy on this video, it was, it was pointing at what's attributing to his body dysmorphia, and he was looking at all the bodybuilding magazines, and oh, he got right. them all pictures on the wall. That's one yeah. thing I never had. It uh-huh. was probably social media. Uh-huh. And, um, yeah, I'd, I'd take my top off, and I'd be looking in the bathroom mirror, maybe for an hour before I even was going to the gym. And I'd be looking at every angle and I'd be turning around. And then like you, I'd be going, oh, yeah, that looks good. Yeah. And then I'd walk away. I'd put my top on. I'd walk out the door and I'd pass a mirror. And there'd be something pop in my head and go, Glenn, you just need to go back and just check. Yeah, exactly. And I'd go back and check and then I'd be picking it apart. And then I'd be, and and then sometimes it got that bad that I would literally, and it sounds awful to do, but I'd be looking on YouTube at videos of severely obese people. Oh, really? And then going, Glenn, what the fuck? Like, what? You've got nothing to worry about. And, yeah. and but then five minutes later, I'd be looking at mirror and pulling myself apart. Yeah, yeah. Like, and it sounds so ridiculous to say, but anyone who's going through severe body dysmorphia, it's uh, it's it, horrendous. It's, it is. It really is what it can do to you. Absolutely. Like I used to, and I only look back now and realize how much it had an effect on my relationships and and yep. me being present in moments because. I would walk, like I'd be walking somewhere and there'd be a window that has a slight reflection in it. And if you, if I caught myself in a way that everyone catches themselves at points where they don't look that good or something's, you're in a diff- weird angle or something. If any of that happened, it'd my, put you in a mood. Oh my God. Similar. I was yep. like, 
this is the worst ever. <laughs> and I was just yep. so depressed so for the rest of the day. Exactly. It was insane. It was yep. absolutely insane. And you try to, at points you try to go, you're being ridiculous because it, it's just, it was literally just a glimpse, but nothing could assuage how I felt. It was, it was just, nah. I think really you are going, you've, you've got this tug of war, haven't you, in your head? Yeah. Like, because you know, in reality, there's nothing wrong with you. Yes. Like, you're telling yourself, you're going, John, Glenn, pull your fucking self together. Exactly. Like, seriously. Yeah. But then your mind just goes, like, absolutely. And, oh, God, it's awful. That, exactly what you said there, being present in the moment and stuff, I probably missed, and what essentially nearly broke me and cat up, Yeah. so much of Lincoln growing up, Yeah. because I was looking in the mirror. Oh, I'm actually now getting teary, because it's, yep. but it's so true, because yeah. I look at, not only my relationship with my partner at the time, my relationship with my friends, you guys, mm. it just it, it just took away so much from me. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I just, I, again, I look back now and go, thank God, I'm. I, it's always something that's going to be with me. I, I've mm. I've worked that out. Like yeah. I've worked out that I am never going to be able to. It's almost like I don't want to. I don't want to say it's like alcoholism or something in some ways but in other ways it is in the in the way that i go it is just it's just with me i can't i can't just be over it completely ever yeah i have to be really careful about how i perceive myself and how i do even how i do gym i have to be careful with myself nowadays yeah it is it's um it's so true like the gym is I don't know. I I don't know with yourself, with your condition, with body dysmorphia and to what effect it had, but with mine, and I always say to people, with my body dysmorphia, it, it was the chest and the arms. And mm. uh, one of the best things for me, like my worst period was Thailand. So I posted on social media the other day these pictures that I'd taken, um, that, that Kat had taken in the gym, in the apartment that we was living at. And I look at them now and I was like, Without sounding narcissistic, I was like, "Glenn, you look fucking good." No, but aren't like, these the ones? You, isn't this the one you showed me on when I came? Yes, yeah. and I, I was like, "What?" Is exactly. That? But yeah. at that time, no, and I, I said it. to Kat, I was like, "That was probably my worst period." And here I was throwing it on social media, going, "Hey, look at me! I'm living the life. I'm in Thailand and I'm training and this, this, and this." Yeah. Behind the scenes, three to four hours in a mirror, missing those moments seeing a, a self-reflection that I wasn't happy with yeah. and then pulling myself for the rest of the day down. And I remember to some points where I don't think it was kind of a depression or anxiety because I'd never build up over it or anything. It was just this this thing that there were some days I didn't want to get out of bed because I'd been and looked in the mirror. Yeah, well, for sure. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. but I think unless, like you say, you've been through it and you can laugh at yourself, you're not laughing at the situation or people going through no, it no, no. by all means. Um, and like I say, guys, as a disclaimer, this, this podcast all the time, we're not experts. So if you do need to seek professional advice, please go and find support groups. There is a lot of them. But for myself, I'll ask you first, how, how did you deal and finally start working your way through it? Um, uh, to be honest, the first thing I did was it, it sounds unrelated but it's completely related. Yep. I stopped speaking to my parents for four years. We didn't right. speak for four years. And I consciously said, I need to get out of my life 
everything that I feel is negative. It ended up being that I got out of my life basically everything, yeah. not because it was negative, but just because I felt like I just needed to not have any sort of ties. I, I needed all the energy I could have. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Um, and then I, um, I got sick for a while, but after I started to get better, I ended up becoming, and I'm not advocating this for everyone, but I ended up becoming vegan mm. and stopping um, really cutting back on gym. I Just because I said to myself, I want to do this. I want to do gym and I want to be um, physically healthy and all that. But at this point, it's still such a bad uh, a negative thing for me mm -hmm. in my mind. Yeah, I need to take it back until I can get to a place where I can put it back in. Yeah, um, healthily. And so I, I like I took out. I would say oh, I didn't. I went to gym in this period, but like I it was probably about five or six years of me just kind of concentrating on who I was and working on myself. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't date anyone in that time. I didn't. Um, I didn't do a lot of things that I used to do. I moved overseas. I went to London. Um, yeah. And so... Did you know where it stemmed from? Um, you know, originally I kind of thought, all right, this is just a side effect because mm -hmm. I had so many... I had mental health stuff from the parent stuff. And yeah. That, I thought, oh, it's just a side effect of that. Yeah. And then I realised how much it is its own entity. It's not... Uh -huh. it, it was just something that I had... In addition to it, it's yeah. not. It didn't stem from the original thing. I don't think necessarily. Mm -hmm. So I don't really know if it's just that I was predisposed. Like if you're predisposed to it, or yeah. if I, yeah, I don't really know. Do you know where yours? Well, the from? reason why I asked you that was because, like I said, there was a point where me and Cat was almost breaking point. Yeah, and I remember just. First time I ever cried in front of her and I just broke down and I was like, I seriously don't know what to do. I feel like I'm going insane. Yeah, um, and she was like. She thought it was vanity. I know when we had dinner that time. Oh, yeah, yeah, And yeah. she thought it was vanity. And yeah. you literally cannot blame someone for th thinking it's vanity. Oh, no. So for you being in the modeling industry or for me getting on stage, I used to teach group fitness classes to maybe, what, 50, 60 people at Fitness First in, in Australia. So for me to be on an external point of view, getting on stage in front of all these people and doing what I love and seemingly looking so confident, to then go in and check in the mirror and then your partner seeing you checking the mirror, they're going to think, come on, get out of the mirror. Like, stop checking yourself out. Exactly. So okay. I never hold anything against And I say, like, I apologize to her if, if anything because people who don't understand it no, just it, don't. Exactly. Even now when I said to her, like, oh, can you remember that? And she was like, yeah, and I used to tell you that you look fine. I was like, but unless you're going there or you're in that space, you just can't. No. Like, you, but all my partners had said to me, because I worked out so much, they were like, no, you you actually are quite big. Like, you're not a small man. Yeah. You're quite big. Yeah. So just, it's okay. And I, but I would see the thinnest kind of scrawniest person in the mirror and it would just, yeah, it would just kill me. But I, I think with what you said, the modeling industry for me, yeah. it, I'm not saying this for everyone, but mm. for me, it definitely did not help. Yeah. Um, also... I don't want to, I, I think being gay didn't help as well. No. I don't know, because I'm not heterosexual, I don't know what it's like in the heterosexual world, but in the gay world, there is quite a... Very quite appearance, isn't it? Absolutely. Aesthetics, it, There's an yeah. emphasis on 
on muscle and stuff like that a lot of the time. Mm. And because I, when I was younger, found that attractive and then would, I used to, one of the other things that I have found difficult in my life is growing up and having trouble with sex because of being so religious and then realizing I'm gay. I turned for a long time to porn. Right. And my, the way I thought I should look physically yep. often was also reflected in porn. Yeah, and I'd okay, be like, yeah. okay, I should be this and that because that's what, and you'd read comments that people make and it's always yeah. like how sexy the muscle guys are and blah, 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 blah. So I was like, fuck. And then in addition to that, I'm people have said, oh, well, you should model because of this. And so I went into that and the people I'm surrounded by are typically yeah. big and underwear models and stuff. And it's just like, I just constantly felt inadequate constantly yeah so, and it's all coming at you it's all it's, and it's always coming at me yeah exactly wow. wow exactly so but that's not to say again like people can't live healthy lives mm. in these in these industries yeah. but for me it definitely was not it was not healthy healthier. yeah yeah i think going going on that tangent there sorry i went off a little bit um when it comes to what i thought attributed to it and i, and I found that out through this campaign was that I went to see a psychologist because that point where I broke down in front of car and she was like, if you don't get help, like, we just can't continue like this. Like, yeah. we're here for you, but you're just not helping yourself neither. Um, so I went to see someone and that was the general practitioner. And bearing in mind, I always say this on all podcasts, that no fault of his, in Thailand, it's mainly you're either rich or poor, so it's all about education. Aesthetics, really, there's a small population that really go to the gym and care too much about aesthetics. Oh, right. Like, And that's living in Bangkok and noticing that kind of thing. So he didn't understand it. He thought body dysmorphia was kind of OCD, which right. to an extent it is because you're obsessing all the time. So that didn't really help that much. I was like, okay, so I'm first time I've laid my, best, <laughs> my soul bare to a general practitioner and he's kind of telling me, oh, right, is it, is it some kind of OCD? yeah and i was like well what the fuck do i do with that exactly (laughs) so being kind of disciplined myself i went home and i started researching it and then started doing a bit of cognitive therapy and trying to like ingrain into my mind positive thoughts and affirmations and stuff but by the grace of god the reason why we moved to thailand i would say is because we couldn't get childcare. by the grace of god childcare came in five days a week we moved back to sydney went to see somebody who actually put me with a personal trainer who had body dysmorphia in the past Oh, right. Best thing ever. So I had a guy to talk about, tell my problems. Still probably pissed him off, but he understood it. Yeah. Because he used to do the similar things. Um, But all the way through that, and when I'd seen a psychologist about it, a lot of the times, and I always say, keep going to different psychologists to find that right one. Because this one, quite frankly, pissed me off the one that I went to. Because they was trying to go to, was it your childhood? Was it something? Oh, yeah. You know yeah, how yeah. they are always try to attribute it down further, further? Of course. There's and one I was big like, root cause. Yeah. Like, no. And I was like, seriously. <coughs> Excuse me. And like you said, you don't know if he was predisposed, um, predisposed to, it. to it or... <coughs> Excuse me. Um but yeah, through the campaign, I was on a podcast and I was talking about it and we was working out dates when I started this and a few years back and I was like, when I really got ingrained into Instagram with the photography stuff and started putting it on and then obviously looking at it, Instagram. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Social media. Yeah. And I think it's funny because I also, when I went to London and got off the grid, I, I got off everything on social media because the one thing that I realized was that... Every time I was posting, 
I was not thinking about, oh, this is something that I really want to share with the world. I was thinking about how is this going to be perceived by other people? How can I make the photo the best, the words the best, everything to appear the best? It was always about image constantly. And so that, yeah, that definitely didn't help. it, It wouldn't have been the start for me because it started before... Um, I was even on Facebook or Instagram yeah. or anything like that, but it it was definitely something that in no way helped. Yeah, at all. and I think it's got it's, it's got worse, and I think it's going to get worse with all these apps where people are pulling themselves in and filtering and and hey, no judgment. We've all used these filters before, like for a laugh and for pulling stuff in, but um, yeah, the, the way that it's going at the minute, and I, I've seen some people and I've pulled them up on it in in the nicest possible way. I've seen people in the gym, personal trainers, and. And they suddenly pull their waist in, or they they make their muscles look a little bit bigger, and that to me, I'm I, I'm saying to them. So, if you're trying to market yourself as a personal trainer, getting people results, and you're pulling yourself in, yeah. When I'm seeing these people on your page that are training with you, and you're shoving before and after pictures, are you doctoring their photos so it makes them look like they've got more? Like, I just don't know. And I always said to this one personal trainer, I was like, "You actually didn't help my body dysmorphia." Not blaming you any way, shape, or form, but one of my things with personal trainers, and I bring it back because I'm in the fitness industry, is that they really forget the mental wellness and the capacity of looking after that personal part of personal training. Because what happened with me was I was training with this guy, and little to no, I was naive at the time. Some of these guys were obviously taking steroids. Oh, yeah. So they were getting results really fucking fast. Uh-huh. But that personal trainer was constantly marketing and posting pictures of them. Right. I'd been training with this personal trainer for nearly a year. I wasn't seeing half as way as results. So in my head, I'm going, oh, he's not posting me because I don't look as good as them. Uh-huh. I'm spending all this money. and I, So it all, attribute, it, it all comes back and it plays with your mind. So I had to stop training with him. And he asked me, probably recently when this campaign started getting bigger and bigger, and I was like, I've got to be honest with you, that's... He was like, why didn't you tell me? I'm like, okay, probably my fault as well. But I think some people, I always say the judgment thing. I think we've just got to be more mindful on when we say things and what we say to people. I was like, I, I don't want to, it's not your fault. I said, you didn't know I had body dysmorphia in the past, but for you to be posting pictures of these people taking things, substances in their body, there's no judgment on that at all. But you've really got to think of how it reflects on the rest of your clients that are paying you a lot of money and you never post pictures of them. Absolutely. And I think it is, again, I agree with you. I've never done steroids. I've never done anything like that. Yep. But And I was very naive when I was younger. So I had no idea that people were doing it. Same. I had, same. I really had no time. I was, I'd like, I was I, hanging around with a lot of them. And I was, yeah, right, exactly. Well, we, <laughs> the fitness industry and everyone's like, oh, I'm just eating more chicken. And I'm like, well, I eat a lot of fucking chi- chicken I and I don't get that big. You so, I was so... Yeah, because you used to be very critical with your food, didn't you? Oh you was God. We used to go out and we were having chips and steak and you were on your... I used to yeah. bring... Like we went out to dinner. I remember one night we went out to dinner with all of us. And yep. I brought a packed lunch. I like It's, it's the worst <laughs> etiquette in the world. Yep. I actually brought my own food and tried to secretly squirrel it yep. at the table. It was ridiculous. <laughs> but it was. It was so, I was so diligent. And I just could not understand why I was being more 
more diligent than anyone I knew about yeah. my food. I was going right to the wire with it and nothing was happening to the extent that it was happening with other people I saw around me. Yeah. And no one ever, even when I would ask some people, they would say, no, 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 I've never done anything. Yeah. And then like my brother, he always was like, never, ever. And then like two years ago, I talked to him and was like, oh yeah, I did. I was like, well, if you're going to do that, yep. do it. That's fine. You yep. do whatever you want to do, but be upfront and honest about it. Yeah, I agree with that. Because otherwise you are just making people compare themselves to you yep. in a completely unequal way. Especially if you've got a platform. Especially if you have a platform. Absolutely. Like, I, I always say this campaign, every person that's come on this campaign is pretty much shocked at how much when they've opened up, like we'll put your podcast out and the amount of messages you will receive uh -huh. by people going, my God, I saw myself in you. Or, and then you've got some people of really high high caliber like in america and when they've gone on there and people gone oh my god and then they look at it and they go i didn't really realize that i could use my platform like this yeah. and i always said to the people in the fitness industry you because you take your top off and we always know that girls in bikinis and guys with good bodies always get good amount of followers and likes absolutely use that platform to tell people hey i got this way by I'm not saying that you have to do it or it's right for everybody. There's no judgment. I mean, if you're doing it healthily, safely, we've all got vices, whether it be alcohol, drugs, social media's addiction, any, anything. Like, as long as you're safe and you're looking after yourself, like, there's no judgment from me. But what I do think is you've got a responsibility when you are in a, in a place with a platform and you're trying to pretend that you're natural and people are, are judging and trying to keep up with you. Like, look what happened to us. Absolutely. <laughs> like, Absolutely. Uh, and uh, and I think back back to the time around that time we were pretty solid guys who enjoyed life and there was just this one aspect that you was like it was squirreling away and burning away and Absolutely. just came to its front and and yeah. we also at that time you also have to realize we had like we said a great group of friends around us yeah. people who genuinely cared and loved us who we could have probably, or I could have probably gone to, actually yeah. I definitely could have gone to and yeah. said, this is what's happening. I remember once, Kat, Glenn's wife, I was feeling so bad one day, I called into work and took the day off because I was like, I, I literally cannot face the gym mm. with everyone there looking at everyone. I'm just feeling so crap about myself. Yeah. I called her, she ended up doing a double shift to cover me. Wow. Bless her heart. <laughs> but I never told her why i just was like yeah. oh, i just wasn't feeling well like and she was the one probably the person at the time who i most could have gone to and would have mm. understood and would have been there for me but it's just such a internal self-loathing thing that you don't you really yeah. don't share it apart from of course what they see on the outside of you looking in mirrors and just thinking you're really arrogant yeah so suppose my question to you would be then mm. when was the first time you opened up and how did it feel to let a load off your shoulders? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I, you know, I can't remember the first time I opened up to someone else, to be honest with you. I really can't. Maybe it was my ex-boyfriend, but I can remember the first time I opened up to myself. Mm. And that was just after just after I moved to London, the first time I moved to London. I really got there and I was like, all right, you've just kind of moved and changed your life and you're off the grid and blah, 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 blah. Yep. And then you 
I, I had to kind of sit down with myself and go, okay, what is actually going on? Because I, I mean, again, there was other factors in it, but I was literally, and I'm, I say this genuinely, I was living in an apartment and we were on the top floor. And so often I thought to myself, it would be really easy for me just to go upstairs mm. and throw myself off. Yeah. And I'm not, I, I don't say that lightly. That is, I, I, I have attempted some things a couple of times. I've been in a psychiatric ward for a number of days mm. in the past. Um, and I've seen so many counselors and psychiatrists, but I just was like, okay, this is either going to be the rest of your life yep. or something has to change. And so I really sat down with myself. And the one thing you said before, that's really interesting to have body dysmorphia. Um, and one thing, cause it is kind of, it is OCD ish. You are so disciplined with yourself. Mm. Like I, I was so disciplined with myself and I thought to myself, okay, what I need to do then is somehow find a way to take that discipline. I know that discipline can be such a good thing. Yeah. I just need to find a way to take it away from all this stuff that is really either going to send me to an early grave or, or yeah, I just need to put it somewhere where it's going to benefit my life because nothing at this point is being benefited from how I'm behaving. And did you think it was kind of the reason why I say this is because I did situational so if you thought, if I move to London, it'll get better. Or if I move to, because I did when we, we initially, if you ever know this, that we moved to Thailand. Yeah. And within three months, we moved back to Sydney. Because oh. I thought it would get better there. Oh, right. So we went there and I was training with a trainer and I was loving it. And then I was missing Sydney. So I happened to make Kat up and leave. My God, she loves me for doing this kind no, of shit. I know. But do you know what I mean? She's a and, 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 and I know. And she came back and we came back and then we was back on for like six months and it was just in my head and I was like, oh, maybe I was better in Thailand. Maybe maybe it was just easier. Let's go back to Thailand. So we moved back to Thailand. Yeah. Like, And I think now, so that's why I say, is it situational? Like when you move, like your mind, or I thought it plays kind of bloody tricks with you because you're kind of like, oh, if I just do this, if I just do this, then it might be a bit better. And one thing I noticed with mine, with body dysmorphia is a lot of it with me was like you say, aesthetic base, and you want to see results. Yes. Some people, I can't speak on behalf of them because if they don't see results, they'll need more help. When I started working with a personal trainer and mine, for God's sake, and I look back and go, Glenn, you idiot, you put yourself through three years of hell or whatever you did. And all it was was because I was teaching those bloody body combat classes, which is like martial arts, and I was teaching all those spin classes that I seemingly loved, and I was putting all the pressure on the front of my body, never doing weight, so I wasn't training my back. Yeah. And like a boxer, my pec bind has got tight, so I was just rolling my shoulders. I weren't seeing that. I weren't seeing my shoulders forward. I was just seeing a flat chest. Yeah. And I was going, I want this aesthetic chest. And where in my goddamn mind that having this big chest was more masculine, I do I, not know. No, I know. It's, 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 <laughs> it's ridiculous. It is ridiculous, but it's, um, you'd think it. But it's not at the time, is it? No, not at all. And... Um, where was it going with this now? You situational moving to Thailand. Yeah, so it, it it was just it was just kind of one of those things where I was like, oh, if I do this, if I do that. But the best thing was when the trainer got with me and we took some pictures. I couldn't look at the pictures, mm. and now I look at them and go, "You look fine." Yeah. <laughs> but then I couldn't look at them until I started seeing results, and all it was for me was a lot of ART, massage therapy, retraining, training my back. My back started getting into shape, 
my chest started lifting and opening up. And I was like, Glenn, you fucking idiot. Seriously, you, I never thought about suicide. I thought, how do I carry on? Mm-hmm. But I knew because of my wife and kids, I, I could never contemplate that. But yeah. at the same time, I'm going, you do, you get into a place and you're going, I can either go that route or I can go that route. Yeah. But this is, it's almost to an extent painful. Yeah. Your mind, it's painful, isn't it? Oh. It's not like an external, like you've been hit or something, no, but no, no. internally you're just going through so much turmoil and people who've never been through body dysmorphia just don't. Don't understand it at all. At all. No. Yeah. And and like you say, for me, I, yes, moving to London, I, it was one of those things where I thought, oh, good, a change, it will help, it will be great. Yep. It was, uh, And then I started to stop doing, like pulled away from modeling and acting and then, I went back and I pulled away and I put, but every time I'd be like, no, if I just take that away, that would be great. If I take social media away, perfect. And it was always the out, the superficial outward stuff that I thought if I, if I fix that, then inwardly it will all magically fix itself. Never really thinking at many, so many points that I really had to work on me. I thought there was going to be a quick fix. Yeah. I really did. To be honest with you, I kept thinking it was, Yeah, you think you can flick a switch and you can train your mind and then you can have a good day. Like yeah. you say, and you can keep telling you positive things, and there'd be one thing you see yourself in the mirror somewhere. But what I did notice as well is the more you stress out about it, yeah. clearly how the body reacts. You yeah. hold more water, more cortisol. You look in the mirror, you feel worse because you're holding water. So it's a never ending cycle. It is. When you start working on cognitive behavioral therapy, you're feeling better. Then you start training for the love of it, and then you start noticing you're not holding water and everything's tightening up, and then you open up and you're like, but I, I, I think, and and I'll ask you this question, do you think you, it's never nice to go through that, but the sincerity and passion that I have to this campaign, I did lose a friend to suicide and that's what stemmed the campaign, but the passion ingrained through this campaign runs through all it is because I went through it and felt it. Yeah. Do you think you went through it as well, kind of, and you've come out and you're this huge mental health advocate now to help other people? It's It's so interesting you say that because... When I came back to Sydney, I started working at a bookshop and I made a lot of friends there and I was talking to them about this and about um, all the other stuff I've gone through in my life. And as I worked through it, I said to them, you know what, as much as it was the worst time in my life and I'm finally on the road up, I am so in a weird way grateful for it because it has made me the person I am now. It has made me really want to do better for other people in similar situations to even do better for people in situations I don't understand give them a platform or give them some sort of um, assistance in whatever way I can just yeah. even if it's just an ear to listen to them um, so yeah I, I, I totally agree it's it's given me a passion and a drive not and you know what not only for this but just for life in general yeah. because I've realized how quickly your life can be taken away not not physically but just yeah emotionally and mentally how quickly it can be taken away from something like this yeah it's just and it's it is it's 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 a it's really really difficult so because you think how many years you've actually lost um, over something that now you look back on and go it seems so trivial but during it you're like and and that's where it goes to there's judgment based on people who take their lives at times with a lot of other people. They don't understand it. Yeah. But on the other side, if you have been through something so what in your mind is severe to you yeah. and you have that clouded judgment for one second, 
Yeah. And you don't mean to take your life, but it's just that you you feel that kind of emotional pain and yeah. nobody understands it. And that's where the blame comes, where they go, how could they take the life? Look what they've done. They've left so-and-so. But until someone's been through it, like I don't think anyone... That's what I say. You've got to be so mindful of judge. Yes, I understand the the judgment part where you're going. Oh, they've left the children. They've left it. They've left this. But you just don't know where the heads are, no, and absolutely. it's a clouded moment of judgment. And in that moment, when people say, um, like I was saying before, that it really feels like the only thing left. Yeah, it feels like the only thing you can do in that moment because it is so painful, and you are in such a place where you can't see light anywhere yeah you just you you just feel like there's no other way yeah so you yeah you're right you can't have judgment and to this day whenever i hear of someone committing suicide i don't it's funny i don't think of them and go well they must have i I feel incredibly sad and i don't always think of them and think they really necessarily wanted to end their life Mm. there it's just they didn't know what else to do and sometimes like you say it is that thing of there were points where if something had just gone a little, I was about to say right, but that's the wrong way to put it. If, if something had gone a little differently, it would have ended. Mm. Like if I had cut a little deeper or something or I had slipped or anything and then I wouldn't be able to sit here and go, oh yeah, actually I didn't really want to do that, but it was just in that moment that I felt nothing else. Yeah. 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 Well, it's really, yeah, it, it gets really strong, doesn't it, when you're talking about it? <clears throat> yep. But I think coming out the other side to let people do know, there is a light at the end of the tunnel when you start talking about it. Absolutely. And the amount that lifted off my shoulders when I opened up about it to people. Yeah. And now you won't shut me up about it. No, I, I will like, talk to anyone. <clears throat> exactly. And it's it's and it has gone into every aspect of my life. I'm now the m- most open book. I'm like, I just want to be completely open and yep. I don't judge any feelings I have, any anything I think. I just go, okay, this is this is me. Because as humans, we're conditioned. We want love and we want we want connection. Absolutely. When you start opening up and people see the real you, yeah. God, the conversations are more deeper. The friendships are more intertwined. Absolutely. It's just yeah, you can you can really connect with people on a deeper level. And I think the more people, if anyone's listening to this out there struggling, I mean, what would you say to them? Look, I would say, first of all, try to get some help. Try to go somewhere, find somewhere and someone who you can talk to. For me, I I went to so many psychologists and psychiatrists and they never helped. Mm. I really didn't like, but then when I went to started going to counselors, I know the difference is fine. But when I went to counselors, the counselors who weren't psychologists and weren't psychiatrists, they were the ones who helped because they were just more like people listening. Yeah. Um, And they didn't try to put it down to pasts and stuff like that. They just went, okay, let's just deal with what's happening and make you feel like you're being heard. Um, I but again, the people around you as well, like Kat said, exactly. if she'd have known, she could educate herself on it more as well. Yeah. And we actually started Googling psychologists and, and therapists, like you say, that dealt with body dysmorphia yes. because that's the big thing as well. I saw a general practitioner. There's a purpose for general practitioners and they're amazing at what they do, but they might not be specialized with with what you're going through. Yeah. So just don't give up there. Just keep on, keep on exactly. trying. And Until you find the right Exactly, one. exactly. And I would also say this isn't going to completely fix anything, but look at your life and go, mm. when you make that decision, I need to, something needs to change. Look at your life and work out what within it is actually more negative than positive, like the social mm. media, like the 
like even I know for me it was like family members I had to and I'm I'm grateful that I did but you have to look and put yourself in above other people in that instance yeah because if you don't then there is a lot about self-love you need to, to put yourself forward Absolutely. you know one of the things that I heard it was kind of like an analogy from uh, Letitia Fry um, in America, I met her and she was, she was always putting people first. Yeah. And then someone put to her, there was like, so what's normally, what's the first thing you do when you're in a plane and it's going down? Yeah. You have, have to, to put, put a life jacket on yourself. You do. Yeah. So that's how you've got to think about it in life because the more you're emphasizing on putting all your efforts on other people, there's nothing left for you. Yeah. Like, and it's true. When she said that, I was like, that is a bloody good way because that's what they make you do. Absolutely. You can't help anyone else if you're not helping yourself. And that's the great analogy of why I cut ties with everyone. Again, not consciously, but just I didn't have the energy to be the friend all these people I really cared about needed me to be. Yeah, because all I can remember about you back in those days is Mm. John was the guy that everyone goes to. We all have a good laugh. Yeah. Like... He's the fun guy. Do you know what I mean? And then we used to yeah, go yeah. to the beach. And yeah. side note, funnier thing, me and Kat nearly drowned if it wasn't for Seb, your ex-boyfriend. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I will bring a lighter note on this. <laughs> we once went down to Bondi Beach and we was all on the beach. And um, what's that show called? Bondi Rescue, Bondi wasn't Rescue, it? Yeah. yeah. God, I was fuming with those guys. Yeah. So we went in and we were swimming away. Bear in mind, I'm British and we don't really know or brought up where there's, um, what they call rips. Right. Yeah. So me and Kat are swimming out there and then suddenly get caught up in a rip and then she gets on my back and I'm like, oh my God, you're going to have to get off my back because I can't <laughs> can't swim. And then Seb's come in and at the time, Seb, Seb's quite a lean guy, isn't he? Yeah, very lean. Yeah, very lean. And um, he was like, Kat, just grab hold of me and probably stem where that masculine thing came because <laughs> <laughs> he shot her straight across and got her out and there was me still this kind of trying to be macho going, I can go against the rip and I was, I was, oh, I was knackered. But I got out and the guys at Bondi Rescue there with all the cameras there, they weren't filming at the time. They were on that table. Yeah. And there was a lifeguard, I remember, and it was like, oh, you guys got caught in a rip. Like, oh, so you bloody saw, but you did nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's going off on the tangent. But um, yeah, so coming back to you, it was kind of like you were just that guy that obviously we saw you as had it all and modeling and you loved it and then Seb was doing well modeling he and was, yeah. he was talking about Europe wanted you because yeah. Asia loved your look being yeah. blonde and yeah, yeah. tall um, yeah and little did we know man no hated it hated it all it's terrible isn't yeah, it thinking about it really is and yeah again and it's and this is again going to the point of um, talk if, you, if you're going through anything do talk to the people around you I know yeah. that's so much easier said than done yeah because I didn't for so long yeah but do try even if it's just a quick sentence or that age old thing of I'm not okay just yep. do something say something yeah really I think with social media it's coming we are, we have moved a long way now I think there are more people like yourself using your platform to talk openly about it yep. which is good I think there's still a long way to go I also think if I may say about yep. social media be I would say there are a lot of people out there who are um mental health advocates, but I do think that there is also, there's a lot of people who work just on awareness, yep. if, that, if, you, if you get what I'm saying, and uh, which is fine. Awareness is such a big part of it, but unless you're backing that up with something to help people who are actually within it, yep. it doesn't really always go how it should go and yep. it can come off 
well, maybe not worse, but it, it cannot be as helpful as you want it to be. Yeah, I agree. It's one thing I try and bring through and, and the point of call so people know where exactly to go through through the website and everything. Exactly. But one of my things is it, it's not a gripe, but it's you've got to be really careful how you use the word mental health so it's not seen as hashtag cool. Exactly. Because there's a lot of people who are posting topless pictures and bikini pictures and I'm talking about topless in the guys. Yeah. And then hashtagging all this stuff about mental health and the yeah. posts are not equating to what the picture's about. Yeah. So it's kind of, it's on one hand, are you going for the likes and the followers because you're kind of posing without your top on? And then the second one you post is talking about mental health. Like, yeah. I think sometimes you've got to be really careful in the way that you're putting stuff out that it's not mental health is kind of cool and everyone jumps on the bandwagon with it. Yeah, because that's unfortunately the, the thing I've seen. And this is one of the reasons. I, when I was doing my blog, I've kind of, I've shut it down for the time being and trying to work on stuff because I was realizing how much it is almost a buzzword at the moment, like mm. a buzz phrase, mental health, mental health. And it's, it, in, in one way it's great, but in another way, it again, it, 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 it can dilute everything and it can yeah. make, people can look at it and go, well, it doesn't really mean anything because this person's doing this and this person's doing that, that have nothing to do with it, but they want to appear like they have something to do with yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I think it's one of those things that everyone just has to be more, more aware of and just see see for what it is. And um, but yeah, I want to thank you for coming in. No, thank you. Um, I appreciate talking about it. Yeah, it's the first time that we've really sat down and and spoken openly. So, guys, you're getting yeah. a, a first hand account of us both opening up to each other, exactly, which was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, but guys, if you are out there, like I always say, I'll bring it up again. Disclaimer, we're not experts. We've been through lived experiences ourselves, and it's something that that I wouldn't want to go through personally again, or don't believe you would, but no. I think it's made us stronger people and, and using these platforms and having the voice. If it helps somebody speak up, then that's that's basically what the campaign is about and about what we can use our platforms for. So if you're going through something, remember... As Jono said, just just reach out to someone around you. You never know who's listening and who wants to listen. No one's there to judge you. Um, but yeah, any last words, Jono, before you uh, head today? Um, the last thing I would say would be the the biggest key to life that I have discovered over all of this is honesty is the most amazing thing and it will set you free in every way. Being honest to yourself and being honest to the people around you. Yeah. It really, and it's, with all of this, it really does help. Yeah. So where can anyone find you if they're wanting to find out about your blog and your trivia? Or... Okay. So my, all my handles are at Von Tolken. That's V-O-N-T-O-L-K-E-N across all social media. So you can find there. And then my mental health website, which is going to come back on in the, sometime in the next couple of months, is The Curation of Man. And then the upcoming trivia website is called Curated Logic. So Very good. Yes, that will be... I'm, Keep me busy. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I've been learning to code to do it. So I'm, I'm, I'm coding it myself. So it's taking oh, some time. Yeah. But yeah. Oh. All right, guys. Until next time, then you will be able to download and subscribe on iHeartRadio, Spotify, and iTunes now. So until next time, stay safe, talk openly, and go and talk to more people if you need to. <laughs>